0: This is Saturday, May 13th. Have you ever used an epithet? That word epithet is derived from a Greek word meaning simply an added term. So someone might speak of me personally and then to describe me would add the white guy with the funky eyebrows who's a little overweight. Now each of those descriptors are added and that's what the word epithet means literally. Now, sometimes we use an epithet as shorthand for referring to the person. For example, two of the disciples of Jesus were called the sons of thunder, another, the rock, and another, the twin. Now, these kinds of epithets are pretty neutral. But if you ever stop to listen to the descriptors we add when we speak of people, Often they betray the heart of the speaker better than than they help with the description of the person spoken about. Sometimes they're quite pejorative and negative. Think about how the political parties today use epithets to describe their opposition. Some people are deplorables, or they're country haters, or they're from flyover states. You see, these terms, they go far beyond donkeys and elephants. (laughs) But in the ancient world, people abused them as well. Here's a story from Jesus when the prejudices Jewish people harbored toward Gentiles are dealt with. This is Mark chapter 7, verse 24 to 30. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Now it's true, people have scratched their heads over this scene from the ministry of Jesus. Does Jesus really call Gentiles dogs? (laughs) That's sure what it sounds like. But there's more going on here than meets the eye. What's happening? Well, first, Jesus has focused his ministry on the needs of the Jewish people, and mostly in Galilee. But at this time, Jesus retreats with his disciples into Gentile territory, the region of Tyre. But even the word there has gotten out about Jesus. He's become so popular in Palestine that Jesus cannot keep his presence a secret, even when he leaves Galilee. You get the idea that he wanted to decompress with his disciples and take a break from the action, but that's impossible. A woman comes to Jesus pleading for his help. Her daughter is spiritually oppressed. Mark makes it clear she's a Gentile, and Matthew tells us in his gospel that the disciples want Jesus to send her away, but he doesn't do that. Instead, Jesus gives her a test. He wants to see if she understands who he is and if she has the faith to trust him. He tells her that at the family dinner table, the children get the food they want, but that's not true for begging dogs. Again, isn't Jesus calling her a dog? Well, not exactly. He uses the word for little dog or puppy. You see, in the world of Jesus, dogs were not household pets, but scavengers found in streets. They weren't beloved as man's best friend, but seen more like the way we would see rats. Of course, the woman passes the test on both fronts. She responds that even the puppies get the crumbs that fall off the table. So yes, she believes that Jesus has come not only for the Jewish people, but for Gentiles as well. She not only believes that Jesus can heal her daughter, but she believes that he will. So why does Jesus use that epithet, dogs, to speak of Gentiles as he addresses her? You see, Jesus is also dealing with the prejudice of his own disciples. Remember, from the start, they wanted Jesus to send her away, to have nothing to do with her. But Jesus refuses to do that. Why not? The scope of his love reaches beyond the Jewish people, to include the Gentiles as well. To everyone, really. You see, Jesus is trying to change the view of his own disciples. The Jewish people had long called Gentiles dogs, but now the disciples see how Jesus is treating this desperate woman. Jesus can see just how desperate she is. How do we know? Well, first she comes to him, and a man doesn't come. And in their world, no woman would come in person and make a request like this if a man were available to do so. But clearly there's no such man in her life. And second, the spiritual oppression of her daughter is the worst sort of affliction, one that was beyond human care, and one that would cut off her and her daughter from fellowship with others. It was the worst sort of fate for this woman. But the woman is not without hope. She has heard about Jesus. And Jesus receives her and heals her daughter, even commends her faith. Because as we've been learning, everyone belongs here. As we read this scene from the ministry of Jesus, we could stop here, or we could take the next logical step and ask, what prejudice has Jesus been working to remove from you and from me? What perspectives do we harbor that have kept us from loving people and from having community with other people? You see, the gospel opens the way for everyone to come to Jesus, and that's you and me included. And this is why at Granada we say, everyone belongs here. We think about and craft our ministry to open the way for anyone who is coming to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we hear pejoratives day in and day out. It's easier to give in to these stereotypes than to, that keep us apart than to come together. We pray that you would teach us the way of Jesus. That we might have the vision for our church and our city that you do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.